Do you remember that episode of the Brady Bunch where the family got asked to promote some laundry soap and they didn't feel right doing it because they'd never used it? Well, I'm going to tell you that this show is brought to you in part by HubSpot, and this is a product I have used since 2014, and I swear on Greg Brady's gorgeous hair that this is one of the best business decisions we've ever made. You know, it's a one-stop shop to turn your website into a content marketing machine. And even if you're not an expert already, it's not a problem because HubSpot users can access HubSpot University. This is like the most comprehensive resource to becoming a digital marketer in today's age. In fact, HubSpot's even going to give you, the off-the-floor audience, a free inbound marketing ebook just by visiting HubSpot.com slash off-the-floor. That's HubSpot.com slash off-the-floor. I'm telling you now, your website, if it needs a little upgrade, check out HubSpot. My name is Chris Lynham and I am your host of Off the Floor, the show that is all about the learning process, the critical pivots along the way, and the positive ripple effects from those decisions. What kind of response do you get from your friends or family when you say things like, I'm thinking about getting a new car, or... I'm thinking about starting my own company, or I'm thinking about writing a book. Why do we think that there's partial credit for stuff that we're thinking about? You know, in the amount of time that you've been thinking about doing something, there's someone else out there that's actually doing it, kind of like my guest today. I will tell you that she's hilarious, she sold nearly 2 million books, and she teaches people to write books instead of just talking about writing one. Her name is Honoré Corder, and she's my guest today on Off the Floor. So why don't you tell us a little bit about like your story and how, and you had this sort of circuitous route into writing, which is so cool. And uh, so why don't you, why don't you tell us like how it all got started for you? I was a business coach. I'll just start with that. Uh, Business coaching was my second career and I was doing some speaking, which I happened into that. So I started business coaching and then someone called me and said, we need a speaker and we only have $3,500. How much do you charge? And I was like, that's amazing. That would be perfect. (laughs) (laughs) That is right in line with my fee. (laughs) And then from there, I developed coaching and training and speaking business and found myself in the back of the room of a Mark Victor Hansen presentation. And you'll know him as the co-creator of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Yeah. And he came to the back of the room where I was sitting, taking notes on my computer because nerd alert, that's what I do. (laughs) I take notes in the back. And he said, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a coach and a speaker, hair flip. And he said, oh, honey, everybody's a coach and a speaker. You must write a book. And I said, oh, okay. And I asked a bunch of questions. How does one go about doing that? Like all of the questions I get now at cocktail parties and weddings and at the coffee shop when people find out I'm a writer, they're like, how do you write a book? So those were my questions for Mark. 
And he gave me some very specific, I mean, it was probably a three minute conversation that changed my life. So I wrote my first book, went on my merry way. One of the pieces of advice he gave me was do seven things to market your book every day. And so I did that. Those are my marching orders. That's what the expert guy did. So that's what I'm going to do. I don't know any better. And I sold 11,000 copies of my book before I ever got the first copy Yeah. Waiting for the printer to ship me my hundreds of boxes of books, which ended up being like 11, right? Because you were... <laughs> <laughs> 5,000 books and they come very tightly, you know, in four or 500 in a box. So I'm expecting this pallet of books to show yeah. up and they're like, boop, here's your 11 boxes. So I <laughs> shipped those off uh, to all the buyers and, uh, and then I didn't write another book for a few years. And then I got the bug and just started writing books. And then eventually my coaching and training has now come full circle to now I coach people to write books and I have courses on how to write books and, and have books on how to write books. So yeah. Here we are. Well, it, yeah. I think that that's, I love the seven things. And I think that that's such a great takeaway. I want to, I want to come back to that. Sure. Um, and, uh, but when you saw him, did you rec, was he the keynote speaker at this thing that you're at or was he just in the audience? Like how did, how did no, he was speaking. He he was, it was an event that doesn't happen anymore. There's an, a different event. It used to be called Principia. It's a Sci seminar. So it's where you go to the ranch in California and, and a bunch of different speakers came in. So by the time you go to this seminar, you're an advanced student. Oh, and so they bring in um, Mary Mann and Morrissey was there and Bob Proctor was there and Mark Victor Hansen was there. So it was all the people that I, in my early thirties at the time, this was oh, a long time ago, 15, 15 <laughs> or so years ago. Um, yeah. 15 years ago at the time, they were all people that I had in my ear, mm. right. With my Walkman. <laughs> <laughs> they were all the people I had in my yellow sport Walkman. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that yellow sport walk. Oh, everybody yeah. had one. I had oh, one. I dreamed um, of having one of those. Right? So oh. anyway, that, they were the people in my ears. So when they were talking, I was definitely journaling and taking notes. He was, he was a mentor. He just didn't know it, right? He was my mentor. They were all my mentors and they just didn't know it. And so that's how he was the, one of the last speakers. And so when he came to the back, I was way in the back where the lights were down mm. and I'm just typing away. And he's like, who are you? And I introduced myself and he was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And what's funny is Joe Polish. I was working with Joe Polish on a book recently and he was like, oh, I know Mark Victor Hansen. So he gets him on the FaceTime and he was like, tell him your story. And Mark Victor Hansen was like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm driving. Like, I don't care. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> he's like, who are you? He's taking a bubble bath. <laughs> yeah. He's like, why are you? He's like, hey, Joe. And he's like, I want you to meet Honoré. And he puts the phone. And I was like, oh, well, that isn't exactly how I would have done it. But nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless, I got to say thank you, which was super cool for me. Oh, that is, that's awesome. And, the, yeah. and sometimes you have these moments too where you have that wise sage like in the hero's journey and, and you've got this person who has this opportunity to give that kind of advice and they don't like they're too busy like I got to go get another cappuccino the fact that he took the time and just asked you that yes. question yes and, wow what a what yeah a, it was life-changing it was in that moment I was meant to be there and I did not foresee today in that moment I didn't see lots of books written lots of books sold a career right? That was not on my radar. I was, I was a business coach and a speaker with a little hair flip and I yeah. was conquering the world and okay, I'll just write a book, but how hard can that be? That'll be fun. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. So now do you feel like, was the book writing, was that like on your radar at all? Do you feel like it would have happened 
organically? Like, you know, what do you think would have happened had you not had that conversation? I honestly have no idea. I think probably at some point, because I think now at this is the point where everyone's writing a book or thinking about writing a book or know that writing a book is something that they quote unquote should do or could do or want to do at some point. So at some point it would have come up on my radar. I'm so glad I hit on that at the very front end of indie publishing, self-publishing, the learning curve, all of those things. There are people who say that they are early adopters of independent publishing and they started in 2012. And then when they asked me when I get started, I was like, oh, in 2004, like when you were in eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. So now let's take it back even before that now. So before the business coaching, because you mentioned that that was your, like your second career. So wh- yep. where was your first career? Like what was the entry point? And then like, what was the exit from that first career to kind of go the business consultant route? So I was a network marketer. I was in, in Shackley, which is a wellness company. Um, I was a product-based salesperson as opposed to, uh, I don't care what I'm selling. I'm just in the business of network marketing kind of selling. Yeah. And I worked really hard at it. I'm a hard worker. I don't know. It's my Ohio farm girl upbringing or something, <laughs> but um, I worked really hard. And at one point I found myself in a position where the company was recognizing some of the top achievers and gave us all business coaches. I had no idea what a business coach was at the time. And this woman that they hired for me really helped me to see things in a completely different way. And it was along the lines of the study that I had done on my own. So studying Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar and um, now people that I know, Jeffrey Gittimer, right? Like the people who are in sales, reading Napoleon Hill, going to Tony Robbins, all of those things were right up my alley. But having someone who was my strategist who was working with me, not someone who was just doling out general advice was very helpful. Yeah. And then when that engagement was over, I recognized that I could not ever not have an advisor, a business coach, someone who was seeing things for me, but not from me. The only agenda they had was my agenda. Yeah. Because everyone in your life has an agenda for you. They want you to do something because of something in it for them. Even if they are are mostly selfless, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> get that promotion, get that bonus because I need a Maserati. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone has an agenda, but your business coach's agenda is for you. Yeah. So having that, so I went and found a business coach and I hired her. And I had worked with her for about a year when she got on the phone with me and I had, I had achieved something phenomenal. And there's always that post-phenomenal achievement letdown. Yeah. You're like, okay, well, I went to the moon. Now what? And our our session was the next day and, and I got on the phone and I said, good morning. And she said, I woke up at two o'clock this morning wondering what your exit strategy was. And I have wow. an idea. And I said, okay, so you have ESP because that's crazy <laughs> that I too woke up this morning with a sense of, I don't have to do anything, hmm. right? Like you drive and drive and drive and drive until you check the box and then you check the box. And if you don't have another box on the other side of that box, yeah. You are left to wander. It's why people who win the lottery or who cash out of a business sometimes are wandering aimlessly and they get themselves into some some trouble because they don't have another place to go. And at that time, I had no other place to go. And she said, I think you would make a great business coach. And I said, oh, great. What do I do? Because I literally, <laughs> she would have said, you would have made a great horse trainer. I would have said, great, <laughs> give me some horses. But she gave me her cassette tape packet which was 97 hours or something of cassette tapes. And I just was like, oh, this is the best thing I've ever done in my whole life. Such a nerd. 
I was like, nice. ooh, I can listen to six hours of tapes today right? <laughs> like, <laughs> and take notes. It'll be amazing. I still have my original journals from where I listened to every single one of those tapes about wow. the coaching process and the questions and how you help people to think differently. And then I hung out my shingle. And I worked for three months for free and just, you want a business coach? Okay, I'll be your business coach. How am I going to pay you? You are not going to pay me because I could totally suck. So mm -hmm. your commitment is the time. And my commitment is to, to get my sea legs and to see if this works. What I didn't know at the time, right, was it wasn't three months before I knew what I was doing. It was about five or six years before I really stopped saying what Tony Robbins said sure. or what this person said and started saying it in my own way owning right. my own message and coming up with my own anecdotal evidence and my own perception and my own procedure and my own process. So that's a story for another day, but that's where, that's where I started. I started in network marketing and it was that nice transition into business coaching yeah. and training. And then, which led me to, I'm a coach and a speaker, right? Which is so not impressive. <laughs> and then you throw a book on there and a book changed everything. A book legitimately and this is why I'm such a beat the drummer about, you know, if you want to raise your fees and make more money and get clients effortlessly and have a life-changing experience in ways you can't possibly imagine, get that book done. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's so cool that, you know, you just like hit on a feeling that I know that a lot of people can identify with. And it's that, you know, what happens like the enemy of long-term success is that short-term success. And it's so easy to have that emptiness, that void of, like you said, you like you reach the top of the mountain and then you're like, give me another mountain. And, uh, and yes, I have no drive. I have no drive. I have nothing I have to do. I could sleep till noon every day and every, all of my needs are met. Yeah. Then what are we going to do kids? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now you, what are we going to do? What's so funny is you said, is it Shackley? Shackley. Mm-hmm. I've always pronounced it shakily and yeah. I don't know why, but it's probably because it looks like it could be shakily or could yeah. be shackly. I've, it's all I've, good. Yeah. We're not offended. Yeah. And you, I never did exit. That's the funny thing. I don't build my business. I've received a bonus check from them for 27 years or something. Like I can go oh, wow. back and didn't see my lifetime earnings. I don't build the business at all, but my mother-in-law still uses it. I still use a ton of the stuff. I still believe in the products. When my friends are like, oh, I have this ache or this pain or I have an allergy or whatever. I'm like, oh, have I got something for you? <laughs> <laughs> I still have downline of people that still order and, uh, but oh, I wow. just don't, I don't pursue the business, but I still, you know, get my products for free and because of the volume and and love them wouldn't use anything else so that's so cool my parents yeah. did amway uh a long time oh, ago sure. and uh we totally botched my dad's big amway pitch in our living room because of course my, my siblings and i had all consumed <laughs> 200 once a day vitamins that we thought were candy and uh and so my Whoops. mom yeah, my mom found this empty canister of vitamins and we, we had to get the oh, old dear. Epicac and, uh, wow. and that was all during my dad's really big presentation. So dad, I want to apologize right now. Dad. But, uh, you would have been an Amway success story you had it not been. been for us. It would have been your first fortune, dad. So sorry. <laughs> so now if we think about like the book writing process, I think it's such a great sort of like analogy just for so many things in life. Like, yep. you know, you really separate yourself from the, the rest of the pack. It's a process. There's a lot of self-doubt through the writing process. It's, yeah, you know, you, your own internal critic is just firing away. So what was it like kind of getting through the first one? And then what was different when you got to the second one? Oh, well, um, <laughs> I was not a writer. I did not go to college and I never took a writing class. So when he said write a book, it was 
write the speech that you give that's popular, that's your book. So I had seven points that I gave in my speech. I wrote an introduction. I wrote a close. I didn't know the finer points of publishing something that's the least bit professional. Sure. So let's just say that. Um, <laughs> I may or may not have had a bonfire <laughs> with the remaining <laughs> copies of that book. I totally had a bonfire. Um, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know what I needed to know. I didn't know what I should know. So the first version of my first book was awful, but I showed the book to someone who knew better. And he said, your writing is great. Your writing shows promise. This thing that you have here, shiznit. No, burn this. Right. But I'm going to hook you up with who you need, a graphic designer, an editor, a proofreader, right? It needs to be formatted on the inside so it's readable and it needs to be full justified. And there are lots of little things. Like when I have a hundred point checklist minimum of things that I just go through with every book and I'm just about to do number 51 and I just ordered proofs today. So they look fine on the screen, but then I'm going to get the proofs and I'm going to go through it and come up with little things that I probably want to change on the book. So by the time I got to my second book, I'd actually done my first book twice, mm. but I still didn't know what I was doing until probably book 10 or 12. Because once you've gone through it a few times, you start to realize what's the difference between my book and this book that HarperCollins produced. Right. So I started going down to the bookstore and taking my book and just opening them up. And what was the difference? What did the font look like? And what is the font type like? And how is it laid out? And what are the opening pages? And what are the closing pages? And you know, what the heck is a CTA? <laughs> <laughs> and how do you get people from your book to your list? What do you want them to do when they read your book? Like there are all the questions that you have to ask and all the boxes to check. So there's lots of stuff to know. And I learn something new every single time I publish a book. Every time I learn something and I think, hmm, do I have to go back and fix the other yeah. 50? Uh, um, the answer is no, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's so true. Like sometimes people want to be able to have like the full view of an entire process the first time. And we're just like, I don't know if maybe it's just this built in like a Google map sort of like sure. instinct where we just need to know exactly what the destination is. We need to know everything that we're going to run into. And, and I just think about like, you know, that light at the end of the tunnel, you forget that you're in a tunnel, you know, and it's dark yeah. through parts of it. And so, sure. you know, was there, was there a point like maybe before you would kind of refine that checklist, but was it, was there a point where you were like, am I even doing the right thing? Like, I'll go back to speaking. Did you ever get to that point? Well, I did not foresee consulting. So I work with some incredible uh, people to help them produce their books. Some people you would never hear of, very successful business people. And then some people who like win the World Series of Poker. <laughs> so, <laughs> cool. so I have some really cool clients and then I have people that you've never heard of, but they hire me to work with them one-on-one. -on -one. I did not foresee working with Hal Elrod to do the, the Miracle Morning book series. I did not foresee working with people to help them to develop their books. Mm. That was not something I saw. I actually just wrote books because I liked it. I was writing blogs. I was just writing because I enjoyed it. But then the process of putting it together and then getting the book in my hands and I would look at it and analyze it. How can I make this better? What can I do better next time? What's the next book I'm writing? What's the next piece of the process? I didn't have goal expert 
lots of books written, lots of books sold. That wasn't my end game. I wasn't doing it on purpose. I was more letting go and trusting and, you know, using the force as it were. (laughs) I didn't have in mind, oh, I'm a dancer. I love dancing. I want to own a studio someday. And then I want to own multiple studios, right? Like I didn't have that in mind. Yeah. I still don't have anything in mind. It's more, oh, I work with these people. Not everyone can afford me. What if I made a lower price point thing and did a course? Okay, that'll be fun. I got to have a book to go with it. Oh, I did it backwards. I wrote the book first. Now I should probably do a course. I I do a lot of things with intention and purpose, but the things that I do for money, I have to do for love too. Yeah. And I have to do for joy. And unless it's a hell yes, it's definitely a hell no for me without mm-hmm. question. When I think too, like when you get into something that's creative and if you are only doing it for that one kind of dollar sign sort of result, I think that, yeah. you know, then it's probably going to be, there's going to be a sense or like an odor of that through everything that you're writing. I mean, you're just going to probably regurgitate more. Stuff. I think that's correct. I think that's correct. No, I write everything because I want to save someone some pain or aggravation and I want to give them pleasure. I wrote, you must write a book mm-hmm. because you must write a book. But I wrote it because I wanted someone to have a guidebook that I didn't have when I first started publishing because I don't think there were a ton of people self-publishing back when I was you know, putting out my first bonfire. <laughs> But when I was making my first fire tools, (laughs) I didn't have a reference guide. I had the write a book idea. I didn't have the do this, then this, then this, then this idea. Every book that I've written is to help people to avoid pain and gain pleasure. That's Mm. the sole reason for writing the book. And And I just keep seeing more pain and addressing the pain with my perception, my process, my ideas hopefully they work for at least one person, right? What is the saying? If you make the life of one person better, then your life matters. So books are one of the ways that I try to do that for sure. Wow. So now like there's a lot of people that I think get stuck on trying to craft something perfect the first time. I know like as a, as a, a blogger and stuff, I know there's, I tell people all the time, like don't even evaluate your work until you've written like 50 articles and then you can start finding yeah. your voice. So like, what would you say? Like, do you think that people should plan on writing like how many books before you start really evaluating? What, what would you one, say? write one book, have a really good team of people who I learned to lean on, the group of people I learned to lean on are the people that make the book look and sound and feel great. Mm. I have editors and proofreaders. I have super secret advanced readers. And then I have an advanced reader team. And I ask them for feedback because no English degree, no writing class, (laughs) just going with the force, right? Me and Obi-Wan Kenobi, we're out there just doing our thing. And I don't know everything. And every single time I get really great feedback. So if you are compelled to write, then write, write your authentic self and then have people crowdsource, but crowdsource professionals, not amateurs. Yeah. To be fair, uh, people who really know what they're talking about to give you good quality feedback. So you can do the best that you can possibly do, but be your authentic self. If you have bad grammar or no grammar, if you can't write, like it's not about being perfect. There is no perfect. You just get that sucker out. And once you've got it out, you can mold it, but you can't edit words that aren't written. Right. You can't share a book that isn't published. You have to commit to getting that first draft out and you're throwing up on the page. Give yourself (laughs) a word count goal, 500 words a day. I can't write 500 words. Yes, you wrote three emails this morning, total 500 words. You can totally write 500 words. So rethink what that means to you and just sit down and write about a topic. Write to yourself, your younger self, like you're giving advice to your younger self or pretend like you're having coffee with someone or go have coffee with someone and have them ask you advice. 
and record it and then turn that into the beginnings of your manuscript. Lots of ways to skin a cat, although I have both my cats in here, so they probably just went, whoa. <laughs> they probably just peed in the what corner. What just of happened? <laughs> what just happened, lady? We know where you sleep. Um, <laughs> so just get it out. Don't worry about a bunch of books. Just yeah. focus on getting that one book out. And then if you get what I call the fever, right? So some people are like, this is having a baby. It's really hard and blah, 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 right? And it's like, well, you have seven children. So clearly it wasn't that bad, <laughs> <laughs> right? If you, if you do it and you really like it, then you think, oh, I have something else I want to say. What's another book idea? What's something else I could write about? And it could be fiction. It could be nonfiction. Writing is fun if it's not fun. And you don't love it, at least most of it. I don't love all of the, oh, this didn't meet our technical requirements. Please try again. Or, right? I don't like some of the technical things. Sure. But I sure do like, dear Honoré, I read your book and it changed my life. That's how I found my French coach. She read one of my single mom books and wrote to me to say that my book changed her life. And I said, oh, and you're a French coach. You're hired. <laughs> but oh, it's cool. one of those wonderful universal things, right? Like, yeah. I changed her life. She's changing my life because I'm being exposed to a whole new language and a whole new culture and all the cool things. And yeah. it might take me another 10 years, but I'm going to get it. <laughs> I swear we got through our French class because my buddies and I would pronounce American words with a French accent and yep. make my French teacher laugh. So we'd say like, can I have a Snickers bar, please? You know, and she, yeah. And then he said, we're going to listen to Matley Crue. And uh, that's what I say all the time. If I don't know the word for something, I'll be like, um, well, evidemment, <laughs> evidentially, right? Because <laughs> all the L-Y words are mon, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's you like, um, you could just skate uh, by. Eventualement. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah. So now I got a chance to listen to one of your other interviews where you talked about your bench and like you have this team that you've like put together. And so who are some like the key people that are like on your team that like if someone is thinking about writing yeah. a book, who are some people that they absolutely need to have and they need to have good versions of these people? Well, and this is not selfish at all. Like have someone like me who's written lots and lots and lots of books who can walk you through it because that the time and money you'll save with expert guidance is invaluable. Um, so then once you have your, your guidance part down, right, then we move on to the cornerstones of a professionally published book. So well-written means, first you got to write it, <laughs> then you need to have an editor or two editors. And there are different kinds of editors. There's a developmental editor that will help you put together the contents of the book. Or if you have the structure and content pretty well nailed, like I did with my presentation, I didn't need a content editor. I needed a line editor, someone to go through and comment on the fact that I use the word so all the time <laughs> and that I really like to use the double dashes instead of a period, a semicolon or a comma and get rid of that. Yeah. Uh, what other words or things do you have as a crutch? When do you repeat a certain word? We all have words we like to repeat over and over and over again. The words that like, eventually, right? <laughs> we might learn the word and then use it the whole time. You'll need an editor or two editors, and then you'll need a proofreader. Got it. Those are the people that make the inside of the book readable. Think of it like getting a Ferrari and taking it on the Autobahn. If every quarter of a mile, you're going 200 miles an hour, but there's a speed bump, that's what a typo does. A typo, a double word, a missing word, it's like, Arr! and then the brain doesn't know what's happening. So you have to go back and read it again and 
does this make sense and what's happening and all that stuff. You want a smooth ride on the Autobahn in your Ferrari. Nice. Or your, it's got to be a German car. So <laughs> let's go G-Wagon. Okay. <laughs> oh, so yes. you're in a, a G-Wagon on the Autobahn going 210. It's got to be a smooth ride. To make it look nice, formatted, you need a formatter. Okay. Someone who does the inside of the book. Uh, Draft2Digital. Draft2Digital.com is where you can upload your manuscript and it does automatic formatting and you can pick all the different things. And then I have a really nifty custom formatter that I have access to if you want your book to go next level. So my book that's coming out next month is next level. It's color on the inside, lots of cool graphics, cool font, really cool nifty stuff. I'm in the business, right? So yeah. I, I, get to, I get to do that. Some people really like that kind of stuff. You need a cover designer. You need someone who does book covers, who does really good book covers. So you can go to 99designs and you can get different levels of prices or you can get my guy who works basically only with my clients who is phenomenal and has done all of my book covers. Yeah, now all of them. He didn't do the original one, but then I did the 10th anniversary edition and he did it. So if you go to Amazon and you look at my books, all of the ones that are not Miracle Morning, those are all done by the same guy and he's amazing. But again, just get a really good book cover designer. It's about not getting a $50, $25 book cover from Fiverr. Yeah, right. Because your book cover is that first thing. Think about dating, right? If someone is just like, oh, I'm just going to put up my third grade photo that was like a, <laughs> right? Olin Mills. <laughs> it was my Olin Mills after I puked in the parking lot shot. Someone may go, no, but you could be a perfectly delightful woman of childbearing years that also makes six figures. We wouldn't know that. Right. Based on your photo, think of it like dating. You want to put your best photo <laughs> forward. And then finally, you need someone to write the copy. So sales copy on Amazon, when you go and you read about a product, that's yeah. sales copy. On the back of the book, that's also sales copy. It's just called a book description. Different terms, mm. same stuff, but it sells the book the number one thing that sells a book is the sales copy. The right. number one thing that gets someone attention is that book cover. But sometimes, or as I just said about someone recently, I went to go buy something and I was talking to a guy in the office and I walked away and my husband said, what did you learn? And I said that he's very pretty. <laughs> 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 he's very good looking. But I, right? So, so you have to have the copy yeah. <laughs> to back up the book cover. <laughs> the book cover has to back up the copy. It goes together. So being and smart then, is all, it's good looking, smart, all of it together with your book cover. Put all of that together and you will have a really solid product that you are proud for someone to take off your hands and read. And when they read it, if they are the right reader based on your outcome for the book, they could hire you. They could buy more books from you. They could do all sorts of wonderful things, become your friend, send you love notes in the mail. I don't know. Right? <laughs> lots of, lots of possibilities. That's so cool. Well, I mean, for us too, like for our dance students, we bring in consultants all the time that come in and they essentially, they, they occupy different roles. And it's so interesting how these roles that you're talking about, you know, the different kinds of editors and then, you know, the, the book cover and, you know, you have to have the written work on the inside. And for us, it's like, you got to have choreography and then you've got to have, you know, someone that's going to come in and it's going to stylize it. You have to have someone that's going to edit it and it's going to do all the fine tuning because for us, it's like, if someone is dancing off time, it's a little bit like someone singing off key and, and it kind of distracts from the whole final yes. image, right? Yes. Yes. It's like a, it's like a wardrobe malfunction. Yep. Yep. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so and now, every mistake, just so you know, every mistake that I say, you need this, 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 and this I've learned because I didn't have any of these things. 
and I had the bad book mistake to go with it. I just, yeah. <laughs> either I'm a slow learner or I just never give up or something. Cause I'm still like, I'm just still going to keep trying. I'm going to get it. Right. <laughs> so, well, and I was going to ask you that too. Like, so when you finally eventually had your final team, like for us, like, you know, we'll have like a team, like we've got our lawyer, we've got our, our real yes. estate agent, we've got all yeah. these people that, but we've had to go through some different iterations to get this person that we feel like has like the permanent spot on, on our bench. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so like how many different cycles did you go through with some of these people before you kind of honed in on these select individuals? That's a great question because editors are not all created equal. So my first editor was a 10th grade English teacher and she didn't charge me very much. And there was a reason, super <laughs> lovely lady. And then I had someone who liked me read one of my books, who was an editor, New York trained kids. Oh, and so the dinner conversation was, Honoré, I love you. I'd really like to edit your books. And I'd like you to see what it looks like to have your books edited. And she took a book that had been edited and edited it. And I went, wow. And she taught me how to be a better writer. Wow. The best way to find someone, the best way, look, how do you ever find anybody? You find them because you happen upon them. That takes longer, can be painful. You can happen upon someone who's not so great. Or you can go to someone who knows and ask them. Yeah. Find a writer's community and say, who is the best writer that you know? Or go to a creative writing department at a university and mm -hmm. ask for an editing recommendation. Lots of different places that you can find an editor. Lots of different places you can find a graphic designer. Go on Amazon and find books in your genre and reach out to the authors and say, who designed your book? Because book cover artists, they're trading time for money. They're always looking for the next book cover. My guys booked out three or four months in advance, which is my fault. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always like, I'll give you the clients, but I am on top, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you'll find people by recommendation. Ask people who know the right people. You have to kind of go right up to the top and just skip through learning the lessons and just say, I'm going to have to pay for a book cover. I'm going to have to pay for editing. Those are going to be major expenses. Your lawyer isn't free. He's not your one out of law school. You don't want someone who's learning right. on you. You want someone who is going to take care of things and keep it all lock, stock, and barrel so that there are no mis... Oh, we forgot a comma. That'll be $1 million. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. You can put together your bench and the best way to honestly the best way to get a bench is just to buy into one right yeah. just find someone that that has that and then say I want to work with those people and I will get in line for them and so now like you know I think there's a lot of people out there that regardless of if it's a book or if it's anything else like I think what you're really saying is don't nickel and dime it and that if this is especially a business decision that you've got to spend money to make money right yes Yes. I regretted a printing of one of my books where one of the women turned it over and she was reading the endorsements and there was a typo. Oh my gosh. Because I didn't. I was like, oh, I can read. I got this. <laughs> I, can read. <laughs> I can read. How would I miss a typo of my own writing that I wrote and I've read it six times? What could I possibly miss? Yeah. Whoops. And I just did my first audiobook of my own books. I've always had an audio producer and I just did my first audio book. And as I'm going through the final, final, final formatted ready for printing book, I'm finding little mistakes because I'm reading it out loud. That's painful. Yeah. Well, but helpful, back right? to the formatter, back to the formatter costs a little bit more money. Can you please make these changes so that the book is that much more perfect? I didn't catch everything. 
no one catches everything. Nothing is ever perfect. It's just, you wanted to get there. I find typos in New York published manuscripts all the time. They're, they happen. They're just part of the game. And for every one I catch, I probably miss 10. Yeah. The eye is trained to see things correctly, which is why you can read backwards writing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I Um, think that that's another important takeaway too, is that, you know, you don't have to have something perfect that first time out or the 10th time out. And even the the best people out there, you're going to find typos. It's like, watching a Broadway show and you see somebody sort of like mess up, but they, they recover, but it's, it's really tough, but you get kind of get excited when you see them mess up because you realize that they're human, you know? And well, uh, I would imagine when you watch people dance, you see what I see people dancing and I'm like, yes, they're crushing it. But it, my husband <laughs> is in the music business. And before I met him, I thought everyone could sing. And now I have learned that almost no one can sing. It's terrible. I can't hear someone sing off key now because it hurts my ears. Yeah. And I, I curse him for this gift that he gave me. <laughs> but the person with the trained eye sees it faster yep. and easier than the person with the untrained eye. Yep. Most people are, if I started to sing, there would be a hundred people on Facebook that would be like, yes, go do it. Try out. <laughs> right yeah i would honoree is dancing with the stars and so you think you can sing and dance in the same like yes do it and then my husband would be on the back like getting his slingshot ready so that i wouldn't die but that i would be knocked unconscious and probably like have a loss of memory of what i was trying to accomplish in that moment like no honey we're not doing that so <laughs> he's a keeper right there. He's he a keeper, that, that guy with the slingshot. Right. Yes, he always has the <laughs> slingshot ready to save me from myself. You cannot, you can't phone it in. You have to do the work. There is no shortcut. There are faster, more painless paths, but you do have to do the work and you have to be willing to pay for it. And anytime I see someone go the cheap route, it's evident. Mm. Yeah. It's evident and it's unfortunate because anyone who's writing a nonfiction book in particular as the expert should have the money to put into a product. So they wouldn't say, I went to the Mickey Mouse Law School and you know what? Normal law schools are three years, but I did it in seven months. I know everything there is to know. You don't even need to worry. Mm. I'm only 75 bucks an hour. And you're on the witness stand being tried for murder. So no sweat. <laughs> <laughs> I had this sit down in Beverly Hills uh, when I was screenwriting and I had this script and this producer contacted me. This is like early, early internet message board for screenwriters. And he said, I want to do a sit down with you. I want to talk to you about your script and I'm interested. And so we fly down and we have drinks and I don't have an agent, but I bring my best friend with me and he sits in there and this guy's buying us drinks. (laughs) I've got the script in my hand. It's like just the first 15 pages and I'm super freaked out and I have no idea what to say. And the guy's like, well, why don't you show me what you have? And I didn't want to hand it to him. And so then my buddy just pipes in. He goes, just trust me. It's super good. And that was a big fail moment I look back on. And I'm like, God, if I had done that over again. And it fits perfectly with what you're talking about. Like had I maybe had a professional that could represent me a little bit differently than just it's super good you know, that might've changed a little bit of my story. <laughs> so now what, let's talk the book that you have like in the works and then yeah. talk about that series too. And like, who is that designed for? Who are you really writing to? And the um, Miracle Morning book series? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Hal Elrod wrote The Miracle Morning, 
And I had a book series. I had the successful single mom book series and I wrote him a book review. And so that's how we connected. And the idea is to change the consciousness of humanity one morning at a time. We write books in different, I call them verticals, so different areas. So we have the Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs, the Miracle Morning for um, Addiction Recovery is the one that we just released. We just released Miracle Morning Millionaires with the wealthy do uh, before 8 a.m. that will make you rich. Cool. We've done parents and families and college students and salespeople, network marketers, real estate agents. We've gone in different verticals, taking the habits of the most successful folks, right? Which we call those the lifesavers, silence or meditation, affirmation, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing, and then applying them to each one of those areas. If you're a real estate agent, what do you need to do first thing in the morning to set yourself up to win, to get your day off to the best start possible? Um, if you're just in sales, not just specifically real estate sales or network marketing, um, entrepreneurs, parents and families. Um, and then we did one with Natalie Johnji, who just graduated from high school with honors. And she came at us with a 200 page PowerPoint. And we said, well, of course you can write the book for college students. Wow. That's amazing. The idea is to create books that empower people to take control of their mind, body, and spirit and their day. And ultimately, each one of your, your days are uh, make up your life. Your life is made up by your days. And if you have one great day stacked on another great day stacked on another great day, you're going to have a series of wonderful and amazing days. Mm, man, that is so, so cool. Yeah. Well, I love that, you know, when you speak, you know, it's kind of like when you, you know, when you think about the, you know, the, the keynote speech versus like that one-on-one -on -one interaction that you had where, you know, it was, it was like specific to you. It was, even if it was just three minutes, it was three minutes that were really impactful. And right. like when you're, when you're like targeting that vertical, it definitely makes it probably, probably your feedback is, is so much more specific in terms of like the yep. reviews and what people say to you. Right. Yes. Yes. Well, when we did the miracle morning for parents and families, we worked with a couple who are parents of kids and they came up with the process to help their kids to learn the tools that I wish I had learned when I was four. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's add some meditation to my day so that I can start my day from a calm, cool, collected, centered place. Wow. Let me learn how to talk to myself and how to visualize my end result. Hello. That's crazy. Um, right. Let me, let me write my feelings down and, and understand them rather than, you know, punching someone in the face. I'm just saying that's an option. <laughs> Might not be as much fun, <laughs> but the jail time is lower. No, yeah. no one's ever been sentenced to jail for journaling as far as I know. <laughs> that is so cool. So let's do some takeaways now. So, you know, think about like, what's some advice that you got maybe at any point in your life that you feel like you can appreciate now, but you definitely weren't ready for when you first heard it. <laughs> Uh, all of it. <laughs> Which of the hundreds of pieces of advice that I got when I was younger? Well, what, it, what is it that they say? Always have enough light when you read, <laughs> right? Make sure you have ample light when you read. Take really good care of your skin. Use sunscreen. The basic things, drink more water, go to bed early, get up early. Um, Something I did do, save 10% of your income. That's a good one. If Whether you're 21 or 61, if you haven't started saving money, take 10% of every dime you make and put it away. Ultimately, you will have complete and utter financial freedom. And then you can tackle the other stuff. Um, the six most important inches on your body are those between your ears. The more you develop your self-confidence, 
and your consciousness and your prosperity consciousness and what you believe is possible for you, more is possible. I heard all of those things when I was much younger and I didn't get everything right away. Never give up. That's another one, right? I wasn't ready to hear never give up, but ultimately if you never give up, if you keep going, what's the percentage? 80% of all sales are made after the seventh call and most people never call more than once. Yeah. Every little bit of success is a, is a math problem. You can't do the right thing for long enough and not get the right results. Yeah. All of those things are, are key. If we had to think of the, there's somebody out there that is ready to pull the plug on a process that they've you know, invested in. They're losing their way. What do you say to that person to kind of silence the inner critic? Turn up whoever's voice is in your head that empowers you. When you have an inner critic, put something in your head. So have a person that you can call. And I had this too. At one time I had a friend that I would call and I would say two minutes about why I'm fantastic. In other words, I don't have time to tell you my sob story, nor does it freaking matter whatever my problem of the day is, right? The DOD, drama of the day, doesn't matter. Just tell me, give me some confidence. I'm amazing. I'm terrific. I'm smart. I can do it. I blah, 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 right? And then have CDs in your car or on your MP3 on your phone. Go download some stuff on YouTube. It doesn't even need to be something that you purchase. You can do pep talk. There's an app called pep talk. Put some, some words in your head every day. That's why reading first thing in the morning is really powerful. You're going to read something that empowers you. I like the book Relentless by Tim Grover. Mm. He's a trainer to like Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. So he's the guy that's like, oh, great. You won the game by 400 points. That's nice. I'll see you at 430 at the gym. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about what's possible. You've wow. got to turn up the volume on someone that tells you that you're possible. Eventually that voice is you because now my voice is me because I've been doing it for almost 30 years. I've been telling myself I can do it for almost 30 years. So my, my inner voice that goes, oh, I can't do that. I'm like, yo, bitch, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> step, step back, step down. <laughs> I did it yesterday. I'll do it tomorrow. Hold my beer. <laughs> Channel that, that inner or outer person that tells you you can do it. And mm -hmm. so turn down the voice on the one and turn up the voice on the other. You get to choose who you listen to. And if you have to, write it down, put it on your bathroom mirror, put something on your mirror that you're going to see consciously the first few times. And then after that, you'll see it subconsciously. Yeah. Always have something that you're saying to yourself over and over again, something that you're committed to positive present tense, turn up the volume on that possibility and turn it down on the impossibility. And eventually you will just find yourself there and everyone will go, Oh, you're just lucky. <laughs> It's How so did you do that? That was so easy for you. It's like, yes, getting up at 4.30 in the morning, 3,000 times in a row. Super easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. All right. Now, final thought. I want you okay. to tell me, what's the thing about your life, your journey, like the path that you've been on that you feel like is sort of like a lesson for everybody else that's listening out there? Like, what could we take from your story that you feel like would be a good, you know, a good learning lesson for everybody? If I can do it, then you can do it. Anything is possible for you. You have to make the decision to do it and you have to do it. But let's put it this way. My 30th high school reunion just happened. And mm -hmm. I think I'm the most surprising story. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I think they were like, oh, that's, we didn't, we didn't think you'd live, let alone. <laughs> <laughs> we did not see this coming, Honoré, I think is a line I heard a few times. Wow. Yeah, I wasn't naughty in high school. I just was a foster kid. I lived in a children's home. I mean, like the statistics of 
um, foster kids are not favorable. So you can look at someone with all of the boxes checked and then go, how could that guy have failed? Right. Right. And then you can look at the, the boxes of someone who's like, how does someone with no legs win the marathon? Right. Like right. you can, you can find a, a case study for how you can do it just as easily as you can find a case study for why didn't that happen? Yeah. So my lesson for everybody is if I can do it, I'm not really special. I don't think I just work really hard and I never give up. So if I can do it and you're willing to work really hard and you're willing to not give up, then you can do it too. Man, that's so great. This has been such a great episode of Off the Floor. Um, you've explained some really great takeaways for any type of process, but I think definitely if you're interested in writing a book and if you want to put some people on your team that, that are established, how can people get in touch with you? Like what's the best way for them to get in contact if they want to utilize your services? Um, I, honorayquarter.com. So H-O-N-O-R-E-E-C-O-R-D-E-R.com. And I'm at Honoré on every social media, except there's one I don't do. What are the kids doing? Snap. Snapchat. Snapchat. I wrote, nope. Yeah. People born before a certain year. Just can't. No on the Snapchat. I've had people try. They'll snap me. And I look really good, but those filters are deceiving. <laughs> like, oh, no, that's not how we really look, everybody. One of the, uh, one of the questions, just to confirm your identity, uh, is do you, have you ever owned a yellow sport Walkman? And if you that's have, right. then you can't be on the platform. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. If you owned the original release of Billy Joel's greatest hits, double album, and played it on your Walkman, the sport Walkman that was yellow at the time of said release, then ixnay on the Snapchat. <laughs> what a fun hour. Yeah, yes. I know. Totally cool. Thank <laughs> you right. so, so much. Have a Thanks wonderful a day and All a right. wonderful week. Bye. Okay, bye. So I was trying to summarize Honoré's story, and coincidentally, it seems to fit perfectly with a dance quote. So Martha Graham, she's the preeminent dance legend, she once said, practice means to perform over and over again in the face of all obstacles. Some act of vision, of faith, of desire. Practice is a means of inviting the perfection desired. So if you think about it, in a way, you're inviting perfection to the party but you're not postponing the party until perfection arrives. I think Honoré is living proof of this with her story. So you might not be working on the next big nonfiction bestseller, but I hope that this shines some light on what you can do next to level up in your journey, even if it isn't perfect. As you journey outside of your comfort zone, consider this podcast as your travel companion. So if you're enjoying it, please go to iTunes, search Off the Floor, and hit the subscribe button. Thanks so much for listening.